What did you order? The message from Jonathan's wife screamed in all caps. Jonathan had just enough time to read the message before he was called back to the conference room to meet with several executives. As was typical these days, Jonathan was spending another week on the road. His superiors had noticed his natural ability in the field of sales, and as a result, any time his company was courting a huge client, Jonathan was usually the one they sent to close the deal. With no meetings until that afternoon, Jonathan had spent the morning down in the hotel lobby. He grabbed himself a latte from the coffee bar and opened his laptop to begin going through some work emails. As he was wrapping up his work and getting ready to go get some lunch, he remembered that he needed to place an order for some items, so he hopped over to Amazon. He quickly signed in, but then his connection froze. Or so he thought. After disconnecting and reconnecting the Wi-Fi, he was able to get signed into Amazon and place his order. As he typically did, he then texted his wife to let her know that he'd placed the order for the items they'd talked about buying. It was just a couple hours later when Jonathan received that text from his wife. He was confused as he walked into the conference room. The order he placed was under $100, and it was all items they had already discussed purchasing. Why was she so upset? He tried to clear his mind as he prepared to sit down and discuss the deal. Fortunately, the CEO of the company he was pitching opened the meeting with a joke, and that allowed him to clear his mind a bit before they got down to business. He had a great meeting, and he believed that he would close the deal when they met later in the week. However, he walked out to find he had more texts and calls from his wife. Wondering why his normally calm wife seemed so frantic, he called her back. She answered, repeating the same four words she had in that first text. What did you order? Jonathan would spend the rest of the evening trying to fix the problem his wife noticed. In addition to the order Jonathan had placed, a second Amazon charge of over $900 was also on his account. But worse, Jonathan couldn't even access his account anymore. The criminal who had placed the order also changed the password and the email address on the account. So Jonathan was not able to log in, and the forgot password link didn't work. It took several hours of communication with Amazon support for Jonathan to finally be able to establish his identity and get the account switched back over to his email. Jonathan had fallen victim to a man-in-the-middle attack, which occurs when an attacker is able to interject himself in the middle of communication between yourself and the Internet. Sometimes this attack is used to spy on you and access all your data, but in this case, it was used to redirect Jonathan to a fake login page when he attempted to visit Amazon. What Jonathan thought was a frozen connection was actually the end of the attack. With the password in hand, the attacker was later able to access his account and place an order. Fortunately, thanks to his wife's quick action and monitoring, they were able to stop the items before they were shipped. 
Public Wi-Fi is almost essential when you travel, unless you're able to use your phone as a private hotspot. However, there are plenty of times when you may want to use public Wi-Fi near your home as well. For example, you might decide to do some work from a local coffee shop, and you'll need to connect to their Wi-Fi while you're there. Regardless of the reason why you connect to public Wi-Fi, when you do, you need to take steps to ensure that your data remains secure. It's not enough to just look for the little lock icon in your browser. With just a few simple steps, someone could be stealing your data, even though that little lock appears. So with that in mind, on today's show, we're going to discuss the topic, Five Ways to Protect Yourself on Public Wi-Fi. Helping you stay safe in a connected world. This is Cybersecurity Made Personal. Welcome back to the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast, the safest podcast on the internet. As I mentioned last week, when you connect to public Wi-Fi, you increase the possibility that your device could be compromised. Your computer is going onto the same network as many other devices, and one of those devices could be unfriendly. Furthermore, you also run the risk of connecting to the wrong network and handing your data over to an attacker by mistake. It's up to you to make sure you stay safe when you connect to public Wi-Fi. In almost every case, the terms of service for the connection, which you probably never bothered to read, State that you are assuming all risk for what happens to you on the network. Put simply, you can't sue the hotel, restaurant, or coffee shop if you get your data compromised while you're on their network. So how can you stay safe when you're on public Wi-Fi? It all begins before you connect at all. First, you need to make sure that you are connecting to the correct network. One common attack is called an evil twin attack. This happens when someone sets up a malicious network, sometimes even with the exact same name as the one you're looking for. However, that doesn't mean that the network will always have the same name. Sometimes attackers will take advantage of unusual network names at a location. For example, for quite a while, one McDonald's near me offered Wi-Fi using the network name ATT Free Wi-Fi. If I wanted to conduct an attack on people at that McDonald's, I could have set up a fake network with the name McDonald's Wi-Fi. When guests sat down and looked for the network to use, they would be much more likely to connect to my fake network than to the actual ATT free Wi-Fi network. There are two lessons that can be learned here. First, if you're connecting to a network, always make sure you're connecting to the correct one. Some places will have the network name, and if they have one, the password, posted somewhere or listed on the receipt. If you don't see it written down, ask the staff which network is the correct one to use. But there's a second lesson for those who own or work in places that offer free Wi-Fi. Make sure that the network name is very clear. Whenever possible, use the name of your business instead of the network provider's name. If you have a coffee shop named, say, Awesome Joe, 
you want your network name to have the name of your coffee shop in it. Now sometimes you may not be able to change the name. Perhaps your agreement with the provider requires that the Wi-Fi name contain their name for advertising purposes. In that case, make sure you prominently post the network name so people know which network is the legitimate one to connect to. Along the same line, be absolutely sure to avoid network names that seem too inviting, like absolutely free Wi-Fi or no-cost Wi-Fi. Many times, these are created in order to suck people into a malicious network. And as a final note, do be aware that the fact that the network works does not mean that it won't harm your security. The network could be connected to a wireless hotspot so that it appears normal, but it's intercepting and decrypting everything you send. So once you've made sure that you're connected to the correct network, your second step is to tell your computer that you're on a public network. If you're connecting with a Windows computer, the Windows firewall will ask you what type of network you are using the first time you connect. Make sure that you mark it as a public network. By designating a network as public, your computer will automatically block traffic from other computers on the network. If you mark a network as a home network instead, Windows may allow you to connect to other computers on the network to do things like file transfers. However, you don't want another person sitting at the coffee shop to be able to transfer files to or from your computer. As a side note, because this isn't directly affected by your Wi-Fi settings, you should also check AirDrop settings if you're using a Mac or iOS device. Many people have been spammed with obscene photos by people using AirDrop. While making your device discoverable by everyone is convenient for sharing things with others quickly, it also means that anyone can send pictures or other files to your device. Since your device will be out in public and around other people a lot more as you're traveling, make sure that you can't be spammed through AirDrop. A third way to stay safe on public Wi-Fi is to make sure that your software is fully up to date. Now this isn't the first time I've mentioned it on this show, and it certainly won't be the last either. A study done by BitSight indicated that those with outdated web browsers were twice as likely to experience a breach, and those with outdated operating systems were three times as likely to experience one. A link to this study will be in the show notes at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash episode 13. So what software do you need to make sure you have up to date? First, you need to install updates on your operating system. This is Windows or OS X on a desktop or laptop, the Chrome operating system on a Chromebook, iOS on an iPhone or iPad, and Android on most other phones or tablets. The operating system is what runs everything on your device. Because of that, keeping it updated is extremely important. Flaws in your operating system can result in exploits occurring without your knowledge or your permission. While some attacks focus on tricking you into installing software, others will use these holes in the operating system in order to act without your permission. Once a patch is released, attackers become aware of the problem, 
And if they don't already have a way to exploit it, they will quickly work to develop a way to do that. If the attackers develop and release their exploit before you patch the hole, you will be vulnerable. I know it can be annoying to have to wait while your computer installs updates. I had that feeling just yesterday when I reached for my tablet, only to realize that I couldn't use it because it was installing updates. And it's probably not going to be a problem if you put off installing updates for a short period of time, until it's a little bit more convenient. But don't keep putting off updates for months on end. Besides the operating system, you also need to update your web browser. Since the browser is the software that communicates with the internet, everything that comes back to your computer is going to go through the web browser. Attackers will attempt to exploit flaws in your web browser in order to compromise your system as well. You also need to make sure that you update your phone's apps. Just like web browsers, apps generally connect to the internet to transfer data back and forth. Any app could be targeted, especially if an attacker can find a way to compromise your entire phone through the app. Now that you've verified that your system is up to date, you also want to make sure that you are using the strongest encryption methods possible to protect your data. There are two types of encryption you want to make sure you're using in conjunction with each other when you're on a public network. First, you want to use encryption with the website that you are connected to. Exactly how this encryption works is beyond the scope of this episode, but the important thing to understand is that the encryption will scramble your data so that no one else can read it. Anything that is not encrypted can be read as it's transferred over the internet to its destination. Yes, that includes your credit card numbers and your social security number, if it is not encrypted. So how can you tell if your data is being encrypted? The method to find out is one you probably already know. Look for the lock icon in your browser. Many people think the lock icon means the site is secure, but that's only true if you define what secure means in this instance. The lock icon means that a site is safe from eavesdropping by others. It doesn't mean that the site is safe to use automatically. Someone could set up a site that steals your online banking credentials, and that site could still have the lock icon because the site's using encryption even though it's clearly unsafe for you to use. Since you can now get a free certificate to set up encryption for your website, it's easy for anyone to be able to get the lock icon on their site. However, the ease of encryption for websites has also resulted in a substantial portion of internet traffic becoming encrypted. Virtually any legitimate site will now have the lock icon on every single page of the site not just those asking for sensitive data. But as I mentioned, a good portion of malicious sites will have it also. So when you're on public Wi-Fi, you want to make sure you are using an encrypted connection whenever possible. You could check for the lock icon anytime a page loads, but there's a much easier way to make sure. There are several different add-ons or extensions that you can install within your browser that will automatically take care of this. Every time you go to visit a site, these extensions will automatically ask for an encrypted connection. If the site is set up to allow encryption, 
you will get a secure connection every time when you use one of these. If you'd like my recommendation for this type of extension, you can visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash recommendations to see it. Beyond an encrypted connection, it's also a good idea to add a second layer of encryption through the use of a VPN. A VPN, which stands for Virtual Private Network, creates a secure connection between your computer and the VPN provider. This adds a second layer of encryption while your data is on the public Wi-Fi network. A good VPN will also improve your privacy. Since the data travels from your computer to the VPN server, all of your traffic will be mixed in with the traffic of other people who are using that same server. However, do be careful with free VPNs. While these may technically keep you safe and may provide the privacy benefits I just mentioned, they may compromise your privacy through massive data collection about your browsing habits. If you aren't going to use a VPN on a regular basis, at least work it into your budget for trips so that you can use it from your hotel. When you combine an encrypted connection with a VPN, you make it more difficult for someone to steal or spy on your traffic, even when you're on a public network. However, even on an up-to-date system that is connected to the right network, using an encrypted connection and marked as public, you still want to be careful what you do while you're online. That brings us to point number five. Only do what is necessary when you're on public Wi-Fi. Despite all of the protections that I mentioned, it could still be possible for someone to access your data as it transits the public network. Therefore, you should only do what is absolutely necessary. What does this mean? First, don't sign into websites unless you absolutely have to. If you need to access something sensitive, like your online banking, do it using your phone's mobile data plan. Don't send it over the public Wi-Fi. Even if you take all of the precautions I've mentioned, it's still possible that your data could be stolen. And I totally understand, there's going to be times when you must use public Wi-Fi, and I'm not saying you shouldn't use it at all. In fact, until the pandemic forced a change recently, I used to do much of the work for this podcast, which included signing into multiple sites from a coffee shop near my house. However, I chose to take that risk for the benefit of being able to work outside of my house, and there were certain activities, such as online banking, that I would absolutely never do while I was there. So improving your safety on public Wi-Fi is a matter of using a few tools along with knowing a few good practices. First, always make sure you're connecting to the correct network. You don't want to connect to an attacker's network instead of the right one. Second, tell your device that it's connecting to a public network. Third, keep your devices up to date. Many attacks can be stopped if you just install updates within a reasonable period of time. Fourth, use secure connections, both through the use of encryption with the website and a VPN. And fifth, do anything involving your most sensitive information over your phone's data plan, or just wait to do it until you get back home. That's all for today. Thanks for listening, and be sure to come back next week when we will discuss how you can protect your online banking accounts. Until then, 
Stay safe. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast. For more information on today's topic and a transcription of this episode, check out the show notes page, which is linked in the description. If you enjoyed the show, we would love it if you would subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. While you're there, we would also appreciate it if you could take the time to rate and review the show. It really does help us get noticed. Cybersecurity Made Personal is provided for educational purposes only. Please do not take any action on your computer, phone, or other device unless you fully understand what you are doing and the possible consequences. Visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash disclaimer for more information. Cybersecurity Made Personal is a production of Personal Cybersecurity, LLC. I'm Jim Herman. Thanks for listening, and stay safe.